You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons. Visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Together. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Brenna Rubio, and I'm one of the co-pastors here at City Church of Long Beach. My pronouns are she, her, and we are so glad uh, that you have found your way to be with us this morning. It is going to be a good time here together. Here at City Church of Long Beach, we do our best to be a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. And I hope that we get to experience together some of what we were just singing about, this place where we get to ask questions, where we get to find freedom from toxic, toxic shame, where we get to lean into some self-compassion. So in just a minute, I want to take a little bit of time to pray for our kids. They're going to be staying here with us in the service today. But as we move into that time of prayer, I wonder if we could just take just a few moments to take a few deep breaths. I just want to give everyone here, not just the kids, but all of us, the adults too, a chance just to to check in with our own hearts. Where do we need some freedom today? What are we hoping for as we come into this space? And I invite you to ask this question of yourself, again, with compassion, not with judgment. There's no right or wrong answer, but just soul, how are we doing today? So let's do that. Shut your eyes if it's helpful to you, and just take a few good, deep breaths, checking in on your own soul. God, hello. We're here every piece of us, um, the messy parts, the happy parts, the broken parts, the beautiful parts. God, every piece of us, we're just here, human and yours. Would you be here with us? Would you help us feel your presence? God, we pray especially for the kids right here in the room with us and, and over in our nursery this morning? Would they feel your love too? Would they sense your joy in them by how much we enjoy them? That we just love having them here with us, making their noise, because they're kids and they they will be noisy. Um, Delighting in simple crafts. God, would you help us just to show them that joy? We pray as well for the kids who gather here in this space each week, that you continue to be with them and their families, the families of Lafayette Elementary School and Wrigley, and God, with kids all over the world, some of them experiencing a lot of difficulty, hunger or violence. God, would you be the God of love, the God of peace, this morning and always. Thanks for loving us. We love you too. Amen. Thanks so much, Brenna Rubio. Uh, my name is Bill White, and I'm the other co-pastor here. My pronouns are he, him. And uh, yeah, one of kiddos, a little instruction if you want. Um, we have some paper and some crayons, some books, and some crafts, uh, like a Valentine scratch and stuff. Um, you can come up at any time during the service, multiple times during the service, and grab whatever you want. Yes, adults, if you want, you can come up also. That's fine. 
that's totally fine. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's, uh, we like to create space for our kids. Normally we have our kids ministry. Right now we're still looking for a couple of volunteers to take the fourth month. Uh, and so we get to have our kids in service, which we love, it's fantastic. So we just think it's really normal for, uh, for kids to be in service and to come up and participate. Um, kids, if you wanna draw anything that comes to mind during the message, I would love to see that afterwards, but you don't have to. If there's something else you wanna draw, you draw that. Um, so we are in a sermon series right now called Freeing Jesus. Thinking about the layers that have been wrapped on top of who Jesus is by our culture and our families, our upbringing, and by our own souls, the, the ways that we have in some ways protected or insulated ourselves from Jesus by sort of putting him in bubble wrap so that we don't get, you know, the undiluted thing itself. Um, and so we're, we're trying to figure that out. Obviously, we're all still biased as we teach about this. It's not like, the, oh, I've got, I finally figured out who Jesus is and I'm going to tell you all. It's like, no, we're on this journey together, okay? And we're trying to become more self-aware. So today we're talking specifically about freeing Jesus from the middle class. And it's a it's an uncomfortable message for me. It's one that I'm just learning myself. And so bear with me as I sort of sort this out um, and process with you. Um, we have a friend who's going to join us. Jenny, I don't know where you are, Jen. Come on down, Jenny. If you'd welcome our friend Jenny, who's going to uh, share with me today. Um, Jenny is, we were in this, what was the name of that thing? Oh, here, let me. A cross-cultural justice, cross justice cohort thing. <laughs> I, we were in this thing together for like ever. It was like 18 months or something? Yes, it was over, over a year, yeah. Yeah, over a year, so. Um, and she's from New City Church, which is a church that we love. Uh, Brenna Rubio has preached there a couple of times. I've preached there once. Um, it's up in downtown LA. Uh, Jenny's one of their elders. I understand you have another elder in the house from New City. Yes, uh -huh. uh, Wayne is yeah. actually here. Yeah. Uh -huh. so Wayne's trying. <laughs> Wayne was trying to be like you know, like all incognito, but no, no, you've been found out. Um, but uh, super glad that you're with us today. Tell us a little bit, like, what are some of the things you do around New City Church? Where is New City Church? What's it? just tell us just a little, and maybe just a little bit about you. Um, all right. Uh, well, New City. I have been attending New City Church for like. Almost, no, I would probably say a little bit over four years. Mm -hmm. And I started joining the Justice Team Ministry like a month or two months after I, you know. Jumped right into justice. Yes, yes. I think that's the thing that called me. It's like It was very intriguing to know that there was a church that was doing uh, work around justice. Mm -hmm. And so that's, well, that's what caught me to like keep going there. And because sometimes um, it's, uh, there's a separation, right, from like the social justice part and church mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. to have that integrated together that was a, a thing for me oh, um okay. all right and uh new city church is also like located uh, in downtown la two blocks away from skid row so some of our members are actually from skid row or homeless mm -hmm. yeah. so that brings a different dynamic to our congregation and um it's it's a gift but at the same time it's a challenge yeah 
because we, we have different perspectives, different experiences, different privileges. There you go. There you go. All right, so in this, in the passage we're looking at today comes from Luke chapter 14. And we're kind of like a third of the way down in the, in the chapter. Where it starts off, that, and the whole setting is, it's a, it's a dinner party, right? And there's, it says there's this prominent person, right? The fancy people um, are having a dinner and Jesus gets invited. And, um, and Jesus tells this story I mean, Jesus is, you know, Jesus will mess with you. Um, and he, he basically tells the host, like, hey, you invited the wrong people. You should have invited the poor and the disabled. And that, that, sort of, and that just sort of stops, right? And so I was thinking a little bit of that. And so, this is, so that's, the, that's, the, that's the teaching just before there's kind of this response and then there's some other stuff here. Um, that we're going to look at today, but I was thinking about this, Jenny. I was thinking, I'm guessing maybe I would have been invited to that party, mm -hmm. and you might not have been. Oh, <laughs> that's a different twist. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just saying, like, that's kind of how society works. Yeah. You know, you kind of invite the the, oh, well, I'll invite the pastor. I'll invite the mm -hmm. people who are like me, prominent people, the not... elite. <laughs> not, yeah. not, I don't know. No, I mean, okay, well. you know, just... Yeah, go ahead. You don't really <laughs> think of inviting the, the ones that will make you comfortable or the ones that can have uncomfortable conversations maybe with your guests. Right, right. How, how would that make you feel? Or maybe you've been in settings where, maybe around church or other settings where sort of you didn't get the invite or the invite to you was different because of your social or economic standing. I don't, I don't know how you would even articulate that. Again, I'm just, I'm learning here, so feel free to push back and help me as I, as we have this conversation. Um, yeah, I think sometimes it, uh you know, one wants to be included, and sometimes you do the effort, right, to be like seen, and like you know, kind of like pick me. It feels kind of like elementary school back again, you know, mm -hmm. like pick me. I, I can play. <laughs> I'll, I'll behave. Um, mm. And but then sometimes if you don't have the degree or if you don't have the title, then you're not you're not in the group. You're just even if you do the work, even if you do everything you've been told. Even if you um, uh, put in the hours, your heart to it, you don't have the title. You don't. You're not the one um, that will make a good image, right? Mm. In or good impression for them, not for you, but for mm. them. So, what what are some of those titles? What are those some of those things that people are looking for, or maybe looking to, or just avoiding? Either one. Well, a lot of I have encountered would be uh, primarily within, you know, um, ironically within the justice, like social justice arena. Mm -hmm. um, if you're not a, uh, a pay staff um, organizer, or if you're not a, um, a pastoral or um, uh, what do you call it, like a, a lead, a faith leader per se, but paid with the title, mm -hmm. then you're you're good. You're good to be in the midst, 
but not enough to be included fully in certain circles. So the faith leaders in the justice work, in the because it was mostly around housing equity, right? That you've that yeah. you've worked in, mm -hmm. that the faith leaders or the or the professional activists were sort of the leaders, but folks like you, because you didn't have one of those titles. Because you're just a volunteer, and you're good as a volunteer. <laughs> yeah, but don't don't ask for more. Right. Right. Well, I would imagine, I mean, have you experienced justice, I mean, housing inequity? Is that an area that you actually understand? Well, I mean, currently, <laughs> <laughs> I have been evicted, so um, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been a frustrating, um, I guess, uh, season just because for me to find housing or just to, there's different places to rent out, like there's, there's sats everywhere. There's, you know, the room itself is not the problem, it's the requirements, uh, because then those requirements, they're not wrong, but along the process, they do exclude many folks mm -hmm. that cannot meet those requirements. They like, still need the housing, but they cannot meet the requirements for, you know, just, you know, basic of basic requirements as a credit score, bank account, um, uh, sh uh, proof of income. Right. Because of my uh, current immigration status, I cannot show any of them. Right. And I still need the housing. Right. So, so much of a choice, it is not. So it is very ex um, exclusive right. to, uh, uh, when it comes to, to finding a place to live. And in some ways, you're because you lack some of those titles or some of those requirements, you're not invited to some of the tables, like the housing table, for example, or in some of these organizing areas, um, you're not invited. And where people like me typically get those invitations. Yeah, yeah, it's really um, a matter of status. It's a matter of... Um, um, where you're coming from, and even sometimes a zip code. Yeah, right, right. Um, we're gonna dive into our passage now, um, but that's just sort of a setup. Like there, there are different voices to listen to here, and different perspectives, right? And, and we're trying to say, God, how do we, how do we set Jesus free from the lenses that we've always taken um, to see, to see him with fresh eyes. So uh, I'd like to invite Kathy Hermida. Uh, Kathy, welcome Kathy. She comes down to read scripture for us. Thank you, Kathy. Uh, and we typically stand in honor of God and, uh, and God's word as we read. And I didn't say hi to my friends on Zoom. Hello, Zoom. We're glad you're here too. So, oh, you probably need this. Thank you. Okay, we're reading from Luke 14, 15 to 24 says, when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, uh, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and, on my, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. 
Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. People of God, this is the word of God. You may be seated. Thanks, Kathy. <laughs> love, the, love the spite there at the end. Always good to have a little spite at church. Um, so, uh, so we want to, there's this, there's this tension, right? We, we just sang this song about like um, wanting to be free from toxic shame. And we're going to talk a little bit about money today. And typically when you talk about money in church, you shame people, right? I mean, that's what people like I do. I've done that before. I'm sure I'll do it again. Maybe I'll probably do it sometime today. So, um, so you want to kind of be on your guard, right, against guilt and shame. Uh, and Jenny, she was just saying some um, super, I, what, remember what you were just telling me about guilt as a motivation? Mm -hmm. Say that, and then we're going to come back around to this, but, but tell, me, tell me that again. It was so helpful. I was like, oh, gosh. Um, You're talking about asking people to your justice team. Yes, yeah. So there's, there's good, right? There's, I mean, okay, let's, I mean, I guess it's, it's more from the perspective of privilege. So sometimes when you have privilege, you become so comfortable that to the point that you can't see the uncomfortableness or the, um, of the struggle of somebody else, you become very uh, protected of your, of your comfort zone that you don't really want to get out of that. Um, and those, of, those that are actually doing the justice work and you know, from a good heart, they become almost frustrated um, because they're like, how can you not see the need to do something? How do you that have privilege can actually have you know, this mental peace capacity to actually do more than the person that is struggling? Um, and as a community organizer, um, I have been in different uh, I have the, the, the honor and the privilege to have worked in different projects for different groups. And one of the things I notice is that there's a difference between asking somebody to, to join you in the social justice work, you know, in a project that you're really passionate about, but you become so, I guess, um, you become frustrated to the point where you g use the tool of guilt and shame because because that's kind of like what you're left with. You feel that that's your only tool that you have to use to have people like join you in this in this project, and it, and it works. <laughs> it works, right? It works. It does work. Love people, guilt people, people, people feel guilty, you know, because especially if you bring up like, you know, you have this and so and so doesn't have this, and you should do more, and how come you don't care? Then if you don't do anything, you don't, you know, like that's not what God calls us to do, and is. It, it really works, but it only works such a short amount of time 
with the cause. You hurt people. Um, there's this unhealthy space that you create by doing that. Um, and one of and, and the other the other part that I have noticed is when you actually build relationship with people, you know, connect with people, care about people, listen to people, then then there's this connection when you actually ask somebody to join you, and they'll say yes, at whatever capacity that is, even if if, if it's through prayer. If it's like you know um, financially, if it's with time, if it's just by you know making calls, it's the the gift of people joining you in in something and and being part of of that effort. It it, it is so much enriching. It's so much healthier. It uh, it builds up community. It just brings the justice into a justice um, atmosphere together. Yeah, right, I mean, so awesome. Right, guilt and shame have a nice short-term benefit, right? You get somebody to help do something or write a check, but the relationship. And, that, and then that's what I wonder about this passage, right? Because then you have this person, right, organizing this, this banquet, and he invites people, right? People that he thought that, um, that we had privileges, right? right? And he's like, oh, these people, if they come, I can probably like show it off, like, oh, so-and-so came. Um, but, but then why is it, why is it that these people didn't come to, mm -hmm. to his banquet? Was it that there was a lack of relationship maybe with right. them? And was it just the appearance that he wanted to show? Mm -hmm. How superficial or how deep he connected with these people? So good, so good. So, so pay attention, let's pay attention to guilt and shame. And when those are like, oh gosh, I feel guilty that I have X amount of money or I have this kind of privilege or whatever it is. Um, at the same time, we're listening into Jesus who was poor, who loved the poor and who was super challenging and radically inverting the system of hierarchy and privilege. Right. So somehow we're trying to do both. Right. This idea of like, hey, let's let's not fall into guilt and shame, but also let's listen to real challenge. And I'm, I'm not sure how to do that. I feel like I'm here listening for myself today. And and I hope many of us are. Um, but we're trying to pay attention to those dynamics. And so one of the things that that you see right here at the front end of this passage is this is what happens when the guilt and shame get triggered and we don't pay attention to it, is we, we put up walls to defend ourselves, right? We, we, um, we, we, we back away. And th there are these defense mechanisms that, that come into play, when, particularly when we start thinking about money, because we want to kind of protect ours. And so this is, this is the first, so it's at this dinner party at a prominent leader's house. And Jesus just told this story about, hey, you know, you invited the wrong people, you should have invited the poor. And now he's gonna tell this next story about these people who said no to the invitation. There's only one line where a guest speaks. And it's the first line that, we, that uh, Kathy Hermita read for us today. So here, here's that line. When one of those at the table, so this is one of the guests, one of the, right? 
heard this, he said to Jesus, Oh, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. Oh, bless you. Well, we're all just going to go to heaven, so it doesn't really matter, right? I mean, those poor, poor people. Mm, oh, bless them. I hope they go to heaven. Right? It's, it's this idea, right, that we have this, this concept of if we just say, and, and those of us, particularly with an evangelical background, this is what we're so well known for is we want to pitchfork souls into heaven and leave the bodies behind. Because it's all about heaven. It's all about salvation. We just want to preach the gospel. We don't want to do politics. But Jesus actually cares for real people facing actual structural oppression and addresses those things. And he thinks that the body and the souls are intimately connected. And this defense mechanism is really what the privileged say in order to protect the status quo. Oh, it really just matters who goes to heaven. It doesn't matter, you know, how many bombs get dropped on Gaza. It doesn't matter what the ratings of my local school system are. It, it doesn't matter um, how violence is, is segmented by race in America, because we just want people to go to heaven. But you see, there, there, there's that defense mechanism when Jesus starts getting too close, because Jesus messes with us. And my hope is that Jesus is messing with you because, man, I know he's messing with me. And I don't want to be the only one. And I'm sure he's messing with you too in, in your own way. But tell me, tell me this, Jenny. Like, where have, do you see people, like, kind of protecting themselves from, from you or for this whole, like, you work in the justice team at your church, you have, and now as an elder. Uh, do you see people, how do you see people sort of, um, pushing away the very real issues like economic issues, for example. Um, how do you, have you seen that or what's that been like for you or just to give us another perspective? Usually there's a sense, well, when I started uh, coming to New City and I was very like, oh, I was very excited and had all these, this amount of energy, um, you know, I'm like, everybody's gonna like, why won't anybody join this, you know? <laughs> um, and when I started actually inviting people, they would say, well, no, that's not for us to do. That's very pol uh, political and that's, you know, we sh church should not be um, combined with politics. Um, we our our part is to to trust in God. Our part is to pray for them. Our part, yes, we see the injustice, but um, but God is in control, and and that is true. Um, but then there's this calling of us when we when we see injustice, right? But um, how much is it hitting to the heart? Um, and, and again, it's not, it's not about guilt. It's, it's more of the relationship matter that I feel that there's this disconnect and that disconnect brings the uh, like defensive mechanism, right? Of, well, they will, you know, yes, things are hard here on earth, but they will go to heaven and blessed are those that will go to heaven. And I feel that depending on where you're at, 
then you're saying it as a fence mechanism. But then if you're on the other side, going through the struggle, that part of blessed are those that will, you know, that will inherit um, uh, the kingdom of God, then it brings a sense of hope. Um, it brings a sense of, uh, okay, there's, there's more to this. Like suffering will end. Um, it will get better. Isn't that something that uh, if you're the one struggling, um, you you will see that, yeah, there's a promise that you're looking mm. towards to. But then if you're using it as a me uh, defense mechanism, then you're not really, you're missing, you're missing what God is, it's, it's, is calling you to do, not just for the future, but here, mm. being present, commun uh, connecting with people, seeing what your neighbor is like. But that takes, that takes curiosity too. Like, do you really wanna know what the other person next to you is like? Or are you just wishing them well? Is it too scary to actually know your neighbor? It is, because then you see your flaws, you know? And I think we all, I mean, myself included, we all have privileges yeah. Yeah, that absolutely. can be used to help somebody else. Yeah. I mean, I am privileged to be bilingual, and um, that has, you know, mm -hmm. I can I can either just use it for myself, right, and 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 find jobs that would, you know, require a bilingual person and get paid more. But then, am I really using it to help somebody else that is only speaks, let's say, um, Spanish and cannot get their way around, you know, the system of just, you know, mainly English speaking. Um, mm -hmm. Um, yep. Yeah, system that we have here. Super helpful. Um, so the in in the passage that we're looking at, there's this sort of immediate defense mechanism, and then Jesus <laughs> comes hard, right, and uh, tells us another story about three. We're going to call them middle class people, um, for the sake of our prophetic imagination, right and how they resist. They have a relationship with, with the, the banquet thrower, but it's sort of at a distance, and they've decided they like it that way. They don't want to get too close to the banquet thrower, um, and you'll see why, because the banquet thrower actually really likes all kinds of people. Um, and so just a quick, we're just going to touch on this, and then I, I'd love your, your perspective on this uh, as well, Jenny. So on these, on these three folks, Three folks. So here's, here's how it starts with the first one. So at, it says in, in Luke 14, verse 17 and 18, at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, everything's ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. So imagine this person as um, when, you, when you're at the level of privilege where you have money that makes money, right? So you have investments. So that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about land. They have land. Land was sort of the, the, the way that you continue to expand your holdings and get more land, right, is you used money to make money. This is outside of just your job. Jesus is talking to those of us who are thinking about these sorts of things, how we use our money to make money, and how that protects us 
from actually needing God. The second one. The, the second one is, uh, says this. Uh, hey, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. It's like, man, I got a, I got a job. It's, it's a pretty good job. I like my job and I'm kind of moving up. I'll be honest. My career is really important to me. Please excuse me. Having a career is also a privilege. And again, Jesus is not, I don't think Jesus is trying to slam having money or having a career. But it's worth paying attention to the examples he's using here. And again, this is not about shame and guilt. This is about asking honest questions. Like, what do we do with that? How does our, our career in some ways give us enough standing and identity we don't need God as much. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's me. The third one, uh, and this is more of a reach, but just, you know, play along. It's fine, right? I mean, it's just, just play along. Uh, still another said in verse 20, I just got married, so I can't come. And really, the, the privilege in this scenario is around... Um, the privilege that couples have versus being single, right? Uh, particularly in the church, right? You can't be single. Bad. Uh, I mean, that. I mean, often that's kind of what churches convey, right? There's a privilege there, but but we can also think a little bit about it as, and just sort of stretch your imagination here. It's like, all right, this third scenario is I've got enough privilege. I've got other entertainment options. You know what? I've got. I've got six streaming services. <laughs> I don't need God, right? I can go to a concert. I don't need God, right? And there's, there's this sense. That's what Jesus, they all know God. They all have this sort of relationship, somewhat distant, with the one who throws the banquet. But it's not intimate and they keep him at a distance. <laughs> I, Make it plain. I grew up, uh, my childhood was very um, interesting just because I grew up uh, in a very, I would say very economically stable home. Um, I would say, I mean, we grew up in Mexico. Uh, my parents had their business. We owned like this huge big house. Um, it, we were economically like pretty well off, mm -hmm. I would say. I, I got to live and experience what it was to be privileged. And, you know, just going to theme parks and like vacations and yeah. that part was fun, yeah. right? Yeah. But then you rely so much on it. Like, that's it. Like, you know, you, you're okay. So what else? Why would you look for something else if you're okay? Um, and then when we came, yeah, just, you know, life happens. Uh, the businesses uh, um, went away. Uh, my parents uh, filed for bankruptcy. We lost the house. All these things just started, like, I guess, um, you know, rolling down the hill where even my, uh, my brothers lost their side. Uh, we came to the U.S. Um, really with nothing. 
So we experience from having it all mm -hmm. to having nothing, yeah. including health. Yeah. Um, so all that was taken away. And I feel that now I get to reflect on what was it that would keep us, what was our foundation? Mm. Um, when you're privileged enough, not that you're, you choose to, or, or there's this conscious like decision of replacing God with your privileges, but you cannot do because you rely so much on, on your stability of, of housing and your job that how you, you forget to call on to God. You forget that God is the one that gives it all and can take it all. Mm. But then when you're in a place where everything's taken away, um, including health, then you really come to a place of needing God yeah. every, every single day. You don't forget to pray. Um, you don't, you don't, you're not tired of praying. You don't forget to pray, yes. Yeah. No, I, I'm, come on, right? This is what we do. I do, I, all the time. But. And I feel that as you come closer to God along that way, it's not so much of a need, but more of a relationship that you mm. connect with God. And, and it's not so much of a transactional, like, I need this God. I need, you know, can you hear me? Can, can you do this for me? It's more of, you know what? I love you no matter what. I love you even, even when you're broken, even when you don't have much to rely on, right? And to know that anything can be taken away, like your, your job, your, your housing, nothing, nothing is forever, but God is. Yeah. Thank you. Um. Jesus has this line, and it sounds very similar to what you just said. He said, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Right? The, the sense of need reminds you of the relationship, and the, the sense that I don't need protects me, gives me some insulation. Um, I wanted to uh, share just a, a quote. Have you ever read uh, Ada Maria Isasi Diaz? She's I have not, oh, okay. um, only until yeah, yeah. <laughs> to recently yeah. to put it on the No, 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 no. so she, she wrote uh, a book called Mujerista Theology, which is uh, feminist theology from a, from a Latina perspective. And she has this great um, this is sort of at one point, she's kind of summarizing some of her arguments from the scripture. She says this, um, the goal is not to be like the poor and the oppressed, which is an impossibility, but rather to be in solidarity with them. It's my contention that solidarity, in the original sense of that word, must replace charity. From a Christian perspective, the goal of solidarity is to participate in the ongoing process of liberation through which we Christians become a significantly positive force in the unfolding of the kingdom of God. The kingdom is, is her word for kingdom, which tends to be patriarchal, right? It's about a king. The kingdom is about a family, the family of God. And she sort of reinterpreted Jesus' words in a more appropriate way. But this, this kingdom of God is the liberation is it's i mean she's quoting you it's 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 this idea of relate having relationship 
And it's not transactional. It's not charity. We're either with God, I need this from you, or, or transactional with other people, which is charity. It's, it's a relational connection. And that's where the liberation comes. It's, it's, it's the long-term guilt, short-term mm -hmm. relationship, long-term. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to just close with one final quote from our passage and then ask for if you have any final reflections. So the, the servant goes and uh, goes out and, and brings in the, the poor and the disabled. And the, the banquet thrower realizes that there's, you know, hey, there's still more space. And so sends them out, um, the highways and byways to the countryside to bring everyone in, including probably those with privilege, right? There's, you know, houses or whatever, right? But, but there's this line that summarizes that I just really love. So the story comes back and says in verse 22, and, and it, just, it just strikes me as the heart of Jesus here. It's just this simple line. There is still room. There's still room at the table. There's this invitational sense of like, hey, there's still room for, all, for everyone. There's, there's still room at the table. Uh, any closing thoughts and then we'll pray. I noticed in the passage that there is this sense of the, yeah, the person inviting, right, to the banquet, inviting primarily these people of privilege. Oh, they didn't came, they didn't show up. Okay, well, I'll, might as well invite the poor and the disabled, right? Why, like, where was his heart? And I'm just wondering, like, where was his heart when he when he prepared this banquet? Can that invitation, would it be like inviting it all together? You know, inviting the privileged, inviting the poor, inviting everyone into it. So I guess my, my, my invitation would be, and this is for me too, constantly like reflecting where our heart is. Um, where, when we do something, anything like along the lines of helping somebody else, helping our own privilege you know maybe as a as a way of of blessing others where where's your heart you know why are you doing it uh where's what's the purpose of that is it coming from a call that god is giving you um is it coming from a loving space and and just just be curious be curious on how god is calling you i mean that can be in so many different ways and when you be curious, you connect. And when you connect, you create relationship. When you care for somebody else, then you make the effort to come to the banquet. So good. Thank you so much. Uh, Katie White's going to.